0: The
1: Longbox Crusade presents GI Joe Chronicles: The Devil's Due Years.
0: The I, Calvary, Amanda, have returned.
2: Oh, no. No, do
0: Welcome to GI Joe Chronicles: The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albright, codename Death Probe. At ease,
1: DJ Christatos. And to all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast, I want to welcome you all back to Fort Longbox. Or if this is your first trip to Fort Longbox, welcome. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Crossados and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest for the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is Delvin Williams code name Dark Web, aka Homescapes, aka Silver Hands, AKA Pop Pop Hiss, AKA Felix Lighter. I think we tried to make coffee black stick at one point. I uh, <laughs> tried to remember what else. We did. The hot
2: thing. Trash can, you could say that too. Here, trash, can. <laughs> trash can. Welcome back to Fort Longbox, Delvin. It's good to be back. It's been a while. I see you guys haven't done much with the place Like, camouflage netting, that's not really decorations, guys. Yeah. yeah. You sure? We got to get more patrons if we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you guys later, but later on on how to do that if you want to help really spice up Fort Longbox here because right now he's right, his cardboard boxes and some camo netting. <laughs> All right. Well, Del's been on the show before and we've asked him who his three favorite characters are, be they Joe or Cobra. Now, I wonder if we're going too deep because our usual second round question is what are your three
2: favorite vehicles? Are you Joe savvy enough to know what vehicles you like? Not really. Yeah. Anything would basically be me sounding like an idiot, but hey, that hasn't stopped me before. The one thing that I do remember, I mean, besides Jason's beloved Skystriker oh, uh, as a vehicle, a I remember them advertising what basically looked like a space shuttle from G.I. Joe.
1: Alert! Alert! Corporate attack! Ready to defiance!
2: It? The G.I. Joe defiant complex that exploded with
0: firepower. It's awesome! The defiant's launch base opens to reveal a flight control center. Let's
2: go! Wow!
0: The booster becomes a space station and the Defiant Bay opens for rescue missions.
2: Imagine flying a the flight. Go, Joe! G.I. Joe!
0: Some assembly required. Oh. Lift the adventure of G.I. Joe.
2: Defiant Complex comes with driver of astronaut. Other figures sold separate. From back in the day, and I just remember thinking, like, I will never be able to have this toy. <laughs> because, I mean, but it looked really cool. And, of course, it was, you know, the 80s was, a big time for the space age and everything, even after the unfortunate events of the Challenger, America was very huge in the NASA and, and everything. And so I remember G.I. Joe came up with that big freaking space shuttle. And I remember thinking that that was cool.
1: Oh, yeah. I I've only laid eyes slash hands on it one time is because I had a friend of mine who was an only child and he was the son of an at the time major. So decent amount of income, only child. he got one for Christmas
2: and I got to play with it at his house. (laughs) And that's one of those, like everyone has like a rich kid or knows a rich kid friend growing up. And they're always overprotective of everything they have. Like, don't touch this. But that's that's actually justified on this one. <laughs> don't <laughs> right. it. don't right. you break it. Like, yeah, I, I can't blame you rich kid <laughs> on this one.
1: In my house, I was the rich kid. And Jason was not allowed to touch my Sky Sky. Yeah. I've only seen it was... in catalogs. So. Oh, never seen one live? No. no. I wish I did. Yeah, my buddy Jason Vega had it when I was living in Germany. I was. I was—I uh, didn't know what a hater was back then, but uh, <laughs>
0: feeling that vibe though, right? Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, hate, hey, hate, hey, 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 hey.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to turn it over to DJ Cristados for this episode's intelligence
0: report. All right. For this mission, we are covering GI Joe number twenty-six. Publisher was Devil's Due. We're in a brand new era here. Cover date was January 2004. It's on sale date was Mike's Let Me Down.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, Mike's Amazing World of Comics only takes this run up through 25. I'm guessing that once Devils Do took over, they stopped tracking the data because I think Mike's doesn't really dabble in quote unquote indie publishers a lot. But yeah, the data from Mike's Amazing World ends on this run at 25.
0: So who knows what the on sale date was, Pat? Yeah, I'm not sure either, but we'll go with January of 2004. The writer was Brandon Jerwa. Penciler is Tim Seeley. Inker, Corey Hampshire. Colorist is Brett R. Smith. Letterer is Dreamer Designs. Cover art go to Tim Seeley, Andrew Papoy, and Val Staples. And speaking about the cover, Death Pro, please take us through the cover description. You
1: got it. The image eye is gone. Starting with issue 26, Devil's Do begins publishing the books themselves, as we previously mentioned, no longer going through image for their publishing. So the Devil's Do logo is in the top left corner. The cover is a wraparound cover, although it's two distinct images, but with a similar theme. The front cover is a group shot of the Joes that includes Duke, Stalker, Scarlet, Flint, Spirit, Beachhead, Lady J, Snake Eyes, and Roadblock the back cover is very similar, just Cobra style. And it features Cobra Commander, Baroness, Tomax, and Zaymont, Destro, Zartan, Zania,
0: Major Blood, and Storm Shadow. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Jared, for that cover description. Let's find out now what you guys think of the cover. And we will start with our guest, Delvin Homescapes, Dark Williams.
2: Yeah, the one that you guys share with me, It only had the heroes on it. So I didn't get to see the villains. Nothing wrong with the heroes. It was very well drawn. And even a complete novice to G.I. Joe like myself, I can clearly see the distinction between uh, some of the characters and heck, even know a few of the characters that I remember from the cartoon back in the day, especially Beachhead. I just said Beachhead particularly for Jerry. Uh, So (laughs) yeah, no huge complaints or or, or anything about the cover. It kind of gives a hint to what this issue was about in a sense, because as I well know, a big major arc just ended and this just started. So it's almost like a jumping on point. Jared, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a real good cover to do that jumping on point break. It's kind of clearly saying, Hey, we're done with the image run. We're firmly in devil's due. And we're going to reintroduce you to the crew. Like I said, front cover, all those Joes we mentioned. Back cover, all the Cobras you mentioned. Simple, basic, welcome to G.I. Joe, Devil's Do style. So, yeah. I, and I think just artistically, looks great. I think it's a lot of fun.
0: Pat, what about you? I agree, too. Um, it's interesting cover. I like how they do have the characters to Joes on front and the Cobras on the back. And just the kind of mood of the color schemes that they're using as well, too. On the back Cobra, you got more of a purplish red. With the Joes, you have that yellowish, orangish color. where it Reminds me of the figures, the splash guard or the... I can't remember what they got, that blasting thing mm-hmm. that they used for the figure cards back then. So really interesting. Just a lot of close-up facials, good designs, good detail in on the art. With our discussion of the cover out of the way, let's see how we would rate this cover... On a scale of 1 to 10 flag points, 1 meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it. Delvin, is this a recruiting poster
2: or just a? Eh? I think it's somewhere in between that. I'll give it an 8. I think it's well drawn. Nothing bad to say, but nothing where it just motivated me so much I wanted to put it at those top levels, but I want to put it at a good level. So I'll put it at an 8. I'll throw it back to you, Pat. What do you think?
0: Well, before I give you mine... Let me ask you out of the eight characters that are on there, can you name all eight? No, I can
2: name Duke Flint, Scarlet, Lady J, Beachhead, Snake Eyes, Roadblock. Is that Spirit? Yes, I don't know the black guy in the beret. That's his code name, actually. I mm-hmm. <laughs> used to wear it, a what? red scary one, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they ran out of ideas at some point.
2: Black, black guy in the beret. those are exactly roll off the tongue, but you know the <laughs> right, like, pinch pa- We're passing out nicknames. All right. We got Nighthawk and we got Warhammer and Black Guy with a beret. <laughs> Yo Joe.
1: <laughs> oh, well that my friend is Stalker. He's one of the original run of Joe's. And he was sort of the original NCO that Mm -hmm. took uh, control in the field until Duke came and ruined everything. (laughs) Mm. Jason and I grew up both big stalker fans. Compared to the original Joes, which all wore a lot of plain O.D. green, he had the cool camo suit and the beret, which made him stand out. I mean, Plus the fact that he was black, which is true. He was the original black Joe. Great. He's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Very cool guy. He's been around for work. quite a long time. Yeah. Pat,
1: but, You know, remember the Marvel version of Joe
0: early issue when yeah. he fought and killed a crocodile? Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Talk to him, he's a man. I mean, he's a man that oh, can do a lot. Around. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thanks for playing along with that one. Yeah, dude. I'm going to give this one an eight. It's pretty decent. I liked the twofold of it. So if this was spread out on a, you know, poster, but horizontal, I would take it like that and just really cool to see the side-by-side of the Joes and the Cobras. Jarrett, what's your thoughts?
2: You
1: know, I'm really split on this, Pat, because by our own criteria of make a recruiting poster out of it, these would make awesome posters. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) The only downside is they're somewhat generic, but in a good way, like you'd want a poster to be. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to come down at a nine. And Uh if they made posters of them, I'd probably buy them. But it's not as memorable as, say, Silent Mission cover. Sure. Or, you know, some of those real impactful, memorable covers. And we've seen a ton of really great covers in this run. Mm -hmm. And this is in that pantheon, but it's just, I don't know. Like I said, they make great posters, but I guess because they don't really tell a story so much as some of the other great covers we've seen. You know, I'm thinking about that J. Scott Campbell yes snake eyes storm shadow cover for oh, yeah, 21 yeah. i mean wow you know this is like yeah that cover yeah. said it all these are great artistically great they'd make wonderful posters so by our rules i should call it a 10 but i'm just kind of feeling a nine.
0: Is, is it just because you know they're not action on here but just right. some
1: poses yeah it's like family photo day yeah <laughs> more so than than telling a story but they're they're wonderful i mean it, i know tim seeley tunes in to find out all of our thoughts, and these yeah, are really, exactly. really great covers. Yeah, no, so we're well, waiting we really... to
0: hear back what he thinks about yeah. our thoughts on the cover. So. Yeah, aside from that
1: legal letter they sent us, asked us to please stop doing these shows. But uh, other than that, we haven't heard from him. <laughs> <No. laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well, with the cover out of the way, let's go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in
1: our mission brief. Can do, DJ Cristados. Here on G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Who knows? Cristados pull that lever.
0: The lever has chosen Joe. You got it. Here we go. Look
2: in the eyes of a hero And see the sacrifice within
1: In the aftermath of the giant battle that took place on Cobra Island, the Joe team has a ceremony to honor our fallen, and Hawk orders the team to take some downtime. So everything is quiet, mostly. You know those guys who make it their life's quest to watch Area 51 for Signs of Aliens? Well, the Joes have one of those guys spying on them, trying to discover the inner secrets of the Joe team. Their dedicated conspiracy theorist is Scott Sturgis. More on him in a minute. Over in Bad Hickstand, Stalker is teaming up with Claymore, Dodger, and a British Joe, Big Ben. They're on an embassy rescue mission as part of the fallout from the battle with Coil. But things get real bad when they're told to abort because the Coil remnants have gained access to nuclear launch codes. Back to Scott Sturgis. Cobra attempts to kidnap Sturgis, and Shockwave and Widescope rescue him. Okay, it was Shipwreck and Grand Slam dressed as Cobra to scare Scott into cooperating with the Joe team, and it works. Nothing kills an enemy like making him your friend, right? So Scott is given a made-up position and tucked away as a Joe station monitor in Iceland, and even comes up with his own codename, Scanner. But at least we'll never see him again. Eh? Anyway, <laughs> as an addendum, Tomax and Zema are working with General Gibbs, who's sketchy, sketchy, sketchy as hell, to reacquire Cobra Island.
0: Now back to GI Joe.
1: Okay, now it's time for the highs and lows of the issue, and we will start with Delvin. Round one: high, low. What the?
2: What's on your mind? I should say I'm depressed because I did read this issue twice. And you would think that I would have caught that when Duke put the two Joes on assignment, that they were the two who broke into Surgis's house, posed as the bad guys. And, we got by y- don't, you, David. Know, y- y'all, don't, don't give me no comics. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, somehow, somehow I missed that. And I'm super disappointed by that. I'll make that a what, though. I would be interested in seeing what becomes of Scott Sturgis because there is no way that they went through the entire trouble of taking this dude, putting him out in some outposts in Iceland just as a self-contained story and you never see him again. That that definitely seems suspicious. And now that you even put that hint to it on a synopsis, I know that's not the case, but I'll put that as the wonder.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it's as Pat and I have talked many times on the show. Mm-hmm. I read all these as they were coming out new and I don't exist. I kind of remember that scanners got some things coming up. And as I was writing the synopsis, I did cheat a little bit and Googled scanner from GI Joe to kind of see no. what his fate was. I considered using him for the toy chest. I was like, did they make a figure of scanner spoiler? No, but I did learn a bit about him. I was like, Oh, now I remember, but I won't say any more and be interested to see what, what
0: Pat thinks. Yeah. You know, I, can't remember either, so like Delvin, I am kind of curious again to see what becomes of him. I like the point that how they used him in order for getting people back into Joe. If this is your first time with, you know, grabbing a Joe, you could kind of figure out what's happening. They use him as that kind of a an in for a new coming person. Uh, and I do like the idea that, you know, they got somebody who's kind of watching stuff now. Just a a guy who's a loner guy, you know, we we know people like that now. I mean, this is the age of communications, and we've been in it for quite a long time. That some people just sit at home, we know, sifting through all this stuff, information that's flying out there now, and just going through all that. So, you know, the guys seem to be kind of a loner anyway. And why not put him in his own place? He's got a cool pad and all that to do stuff in. So,
2: I mean, they do have stations like that and kind of a nearly abandoned outposts so they have military stations for like mm-hmm. long-range detecting and stuff like that so it's not too far off of a premise
0: yeah
2: as you mentioned it gave me that
0: area 51 kind of vibe in the beginning you know and that's something that always has kind of interested me as well too in that secret basis things like that so you guys know any secret bases?
2: if i told you i'd have to well you know uh what what, take me there well, that that's not how the saying goes Pat. <laughs> oh all
1: right yeah, well i signed a non-disclosure agreement it runs out in uh 2074 so you're saying i
0: got a chance yep hang in there yep all right i'll get i'll wait around i can wait
1: <laughs> now we did a lot of talking around scott Sturge's aka scanner and sort of what's coming up with him officially pat do you have something for your first round that you'd like to add.
0: I kind of said it a little bit, but I did like this being a new way to introduce the Joes. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure on how this was going to be played out, but I really liked the kind of slideshow that Duke did with it. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this is pretty cool. And he gave some interesting background information on everybody, the, the key players. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go and get this done.
1: Absolutely. That was actually gonna be my first point. So I'll move on to something else. But just to echo it, as I was reading it, I was like, okay, this is a clearly sort of like a re board issue, which made me really happy that we brought Delvin in for it. Yeah. Because I was like, I this is like an ideal thing. issue <laughs> for Delvin, who's not as familiar with the Joe world, to kind of brush up, re and get a little bit of a fun story at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was really happy we selected this issue. Well, let's not brag about it, it was happenstance, but it was happenstance, <laughs> a happy coincidence that. Happy happenstance. It. Yeah, yeah, happy happenstance. <laughs> But yeah, I definitely like that. I like sort of the seamless transition from Blaylock to Jerwa. It didn't seem abrupt. It still felt like the flow of the same story. The voices of the characters as we heard them seemed very, very good. You know, Jerwa definitely had his plan set to like, how can I bring in new readers, like you said? Mm-hmm. And I really liked his injection of humor. Yeah. You know, from when Sturgis had to go get because he can only fit 50 pictures on his car (laughs) i got more than 50 pictures on my phone from last week (laughs) uh, you know dated technology yeah that's true yep you know he had to go back and then they were just gone because the pitted elevator had brought them down i also just along with that humor i thought it was really funny that they were out there playing baseball Grand Slam was struggling to hit the ball (laughs) They said with a code name like Grand Slam. I was expecting a little more contact with the ball, (laughs) like totally felt right. You know, hanging out with military guys who just love nothing more than to bust each other's
0: baseballs, if you will. You know, I like that metaphor that, you know, in the comic industry, you hear that, you know, hey, this is just kind of a down issue. They call it the baseball game issue or something like that. Where you have the groups just kind of hanging around playing baseball, and that's what they were doing. That's an X Men
2: staple. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we've seen anytime, it. We've done it on Crusader it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime they need to slow it down, or just you know, just advance a little final little plot point, they'll have a, the baseball game one way or the other. So it was a clever way of using it to where it's like, okay, baseball game's over, <laughs> 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 then they're gone. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely falls in line with what we've seen over on Crusader Chronicles with X-Men, and it also reminded me of a Spider-Man issue we did yeah. not too long ago on Chronicles, which was basically like, here's a recap of everything Spidey issue. I want to say it was one where he was at the grave of Uncle Ben on the cover, I think. Oh, yeah. It was very much a recap of how Spidey got to where he is right now, it's, you know, an onboarding issue like this one is. Yeah. And the uh, final thing I'll say before I pass it back to Delman officially, along the lines of the humor Well, the other funny line that I like is when Duke introduces himself to Scott Sturgis, he says, you know what my favorite thing about this job is? And Scott says, "Um, women want you and men want to be you. He goes, no, those are perks. My favorite part of this job is making problems go away. And I thought this is a very James Bondy moment right here. And it made me laugh.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that too. It was very more like a problem eliminator. Yeah. <laughs> but there was another funny line that he said on that same page where Sturgis was all like, I need to talk to him. My two phone calls is like, please sit down before I hit you with the clipboard. <laughs>
1: That's right.
2: That's right. And so they're just like,
1: okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked that aspect they've played up with Duke. Pat, Remember way back when we had Ryan Mm -hmm. Daly on that showed what Duke was doing? Yes. When the Joe team was off, like Duke is basically James Bond. Yeah. Or Felix Leiter or or a mix of the two. Because even when Joe team was disbanded, he was doing covert ops for the U.S. government. He is absolutely the 007 of this team. I think they really played that up here. I thought that was cool.
0: That would be a good series to kind of go into to see Duke doing some of that yeah. undercover stuff, like, you know, Special Mission Z kind of a thing like that. of I you know, call Duke it the like G.I. Joe the Black Ops years, starring yeah. Duke. And
1: I'd write, is anyone out there listening from IDW, I will write that comment for you for free. I have an unlimited knowledge base of James Bond and G.I. Joe. Okay, it's limited, but it's vast. And military. G.I. <laughs> Joe, and I was in the military. I will write the heck out of that book. You know what, I've gone on and on. Let's get back to Delvin and get a higher
2: low from. Let's go with a high. I know nothing about Coil at all. To use uh some new kid slang air. I mean, for them, you know, you got Joe, they're on a important mission, they broke into Coil's headquarters, they're about to take down the big bad. And nope. Coil's like, Yeah, you're you're not gonna do that, or we're gonna blow something else up. So you need to leave now. And they had to leave. That's a flex. From Coil, where like, I don't know what happened leading up to 25, but apparently this is some group of some influence. They said that even though their power was diminished, they still had some control over some stuff in Europe. And we're seeing that influence here in this comic book to where they're about to get something of theirs infiltrated. And their ace in the hole was, yep, we got the launch code. So unless you want to see something go blow up, you're going to leave now. And it had to. Heck of a flex.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say there's nothing more dangerous than like a cornered animal. These coil remnant coil got defeated in the last issue on Cobra Island, but the coil groups that were out in the world doing stuff are just kind of stranded. And these guys are sort cut off and stranded, but they
2: also have nuke codes. So they are yeah. very dangerous, very dangerous splinter cell.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a good way of putting it. Delvin coil is the splinter cell here from the main Cobra enemy so to say and i I think that's interesting that they are becoming more of the adversary right now but we have that thing of why is tomox and zamot getting cobra island again is it for commander usually yeah (laughs) what else is going on i don't know interesting to find out where that little nugget will take us as well
2: cobra commander's presumed dead
1: right missing Missing, yeah. He escaped the battle in a submarine
0: in the last issue. Okay. So Pantor is supposedly dead.
1: Yeah, he got his MF... He got caught with his pants down. ...kicked off a cliff is what yeah. happened to him. <laughs> I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the last episode, of Double, but we gave you a shout-out because Cover Commander kicked that MF off a cliff.
2: And, we hey, and as we work. well know, that is a very effective way <laughs> to get rid of a bad guy. Just kick him off the cliff.
0: <laughs> as a bad guy, I'm sure you've had to watch movies or something like that. You know, you get this nice big fort or castle or just your base... And you got this open area, you know, don't go standing around.
1: <laughs> That's not the place to do a speech. Yeah. Or be know. preening in the middle of a battle.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I would, If that was me, I'd be making sure, okay, I, I'm in this four walled area here.
1: Why are there no handrails on this terrace?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. Oh Anyway, Pat, it's your official go, my friend. The other thing I liked about this issue was the beginning, the recognition of the fallen did a great job of communicating the sorrow that they felt acknowledgement of what these joes do for their their role their jobs you know and and i think that really transcends not from the comic but to real world too you know as you guys are vets so you guys know what you put yourself into for this country sometimes that gets a little unappreciative so to say but I think with this, it really spelled it out, and, and it made me think again. So I just want to thank you guys for doing what you did in service, and uh, thank you for my family and for me. It really means a lot.
1: Thank you, Pat. It's very nice of you to say. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, dude. Yeah, I wish I could say uh, it as good as Duke did, but or as Hunt <laughs> did, but.
1: Oh, well, that's a, a gripping scene too. You got to remember that we're only what three years now removed from September 11th. So there's still um, it's mm-hmm. more of that good vibe military feel and the culture and it really reflected there, I think.
2: Yeah. I thought it was well done. It was somber and not only did it just give general gravity to veterans and the fallen in general, but it very clearly put like a good bow on the storyline that just ended, that that storyline within G.I. Joe itself was one that had a lot of gravity. Mm-hmm. And it put a nice little
1: point on the character of Destro, that he showed up for that.
0: Yeah, that makes really You know, Destro's always been
1: more honorable than Cobra Commander, and they really yeah. showed it here. And even Baroness was like, What are we doing here? <laughs> and he's like, Respect, Baroness. We're we're here, we're yeah. here to show our respects. I like Destro.
0: Yeah, I do. I always thought he was a good kind of guy, and he's
1: just he, you he know. might be shady from time to time, but he has honor. Yes. You know, he's he's not like Major Blood or <laughs> somebody yeah. will just stab you in the back. He plays by the rules. Yeah,
0: I like that in him.
1: Well, from my final high, I'm going to give a shout-out to Brandon Gerwa for giving shout-outs to really lesser-known Joes, like Dodger, Claymore, and Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that probably doesn't mean a lot to devil but yeah, these are Joes that nobody talks about. Like, just you wait until I get to my Death Probe's toy chest for today. You'll see how obscure, especially Claymore, is. But I was immediately hooked to see Stalker in the field, because we talked earlier about We're all very Mm -hmm. fond of Stalker, from you to me, Pat. The Weasel Skull, just Stalker's a top tier Joe for us. So seeing him immediately back in the field was like, all right, all right, you know. And he's like, oh, he's he's teaming up with the Brits with Big Ben and yeah, and
0: and Dodger and (laughs) Claymore. I like that they have him as a field commander. Oh yeah, Stalker always. That's where he needs to be.
1: Which is interesting because you know they have him as a field commander and Claymore is actually a captain. He's an O three. 3 He actually outranks Stalker. Oh, really? But it's kind of like that weird dynamic that they have, like Duke is in charge of the field, but Flint's also there, and Flint's a warrant officer, so he actually outranks Duke. It's that loosey-goosey chain of command for G.I. Joe, but whatever, it's still fun. Like I was very excited to see Stalker, and then to have him paired up with these kind of Joes that never get any spotlight makes it a lot of fun.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And it was also cool to see Dana there as well too. Yes. I know she was. She joined the team a few, you know, while back to see her starting to get involved in the Joes as well. Yes, yes. Delvin is not as steeped
1: into it, but Dana is from the October Guard, which is basically the Russian Joes of the '80s, and some of them have come over to join the Joes now in the modern, you know, 2004 modern era, mm-hmm. which is okay. kind of cool, you know, to see them team up. So yeah. and they didn't forget that plot thread. That's about it. I will. Throw in an extra what-the in Duke's recap, which was wonderful, like you said, for new readers. He kind of left out the part that Zartan killed Xandar. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of questioning that. So I'm like, well, is he dead is he not dead? He sure as heck looked like he got killed in the last issue, but you can never tell what the Zartan Yeah, And you don't know with Dr. Mindbender, is he a clone as well, too? Yeah, he was a clone of the original Mindbender. And I don't know anyway you got any other burning highs or lows
0: anybody Uh, i'm the artwork was not up to where i thought it would be from the last few issues maybe it was just some of the darkiness the moodiness of it that could have thrown me off
2: i didn't think it was bad okay
0: i'm not saying it was bad it's just maybe i was just used to more of the action from the last issue and the brighter colors and stuff like that that were happening in that Could be. Definitely could be, because it was
1: a jam-packed action issue, and this one was a little more somber, like you said. All right, now that we got those highs, lows, what does an all that jazz out of the way, I'll hand it back to DJ Cristados for the IG's
0: report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you that don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same 1 to 10 flag points scale we used earlier. And let's go ahead and start with Delvin, the Dark Web, Homescapes, Williams... One to 10 flag points.
2: One to 10, I'll give it a seven. Good good starting point. Nothing majorly bad to say. It's kind of about where I am on the cover. You've always got to start somewhere. Of course, we just finished uh, talking about uh, Spidey 201, right? You got Mm -hmm. to start somewhere because for the last year, year and a half, they have been building up towards this big storyline, had the big storyline. So where do you go from here? Start fresh. And that's what G.I. Joe did here. And it it seemed like some good groundwork laid and to the point where, I mean, even uh, someone relatively novice to G.I. Joe world, I could see the threats that were starting to get picked up. Like, where is Cobra Commander? Is Destro going to have to pay any penalty for Cobra Commander killing all the Joes? What's going to go on with Scanner? What's going on? with Cobra Island again, with Tomax and Zaymott plotting with this general and everything. So there's quite a few coil still around. I mean, that's like five just off the top of my head. So very good groundwork for the new writer. So it's a good start. I'll give it a seven. Jared, what's your thoughts?
1: I wholeheartedly agree with Delvin. I think this is a very solid seven issue. Great onboarding. Very clever way to onboard new readers through the eyes of Skinner or Scott Sturgis. Mm-hmm. Had a fun vibe to it. Had a respectful vibe at the beginning for the Fallen Joes, but didn't lose its fun throughout. And again, just a clever way to reintroduce everybody to everything as Devils Do officially takes over with this book, uh,
0: breaking away from Image. Pat, I'm with you guys too on a seven, so we're all tied up at seven on this one. And everything you you said, it's great recap of what has happened and. Who are the major players on the Joe's and the Cobra side and Coil somewhat? So, and interesting to see what's going to happen with these splinter cells of Coil. I still think Coil is pretty cool. I thought that was a cool idea to have, and uh, you know, I'd like to see more of them. Just kind of that third pin or that you know that third chair in the in the game here. You know, usually you, know, you had dustroy and his Grenaders. We may still see them or or something like that too. But I, I do like that third enemy that's kind of it's like bringing in cobra law only a little bit cooler yeah <laughs> cobra law. yeah definitely i think thought they did really well with that and now it's time to award this episode silver star medal or silver snake for gallantry or sneaky snake and tood in action This is where we each get to reward the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty or was really sneaky sneaky. And we'll start with Delvin. Do you have a silver star or a silver
2: snake? I'm going to go with Coil. I'll go with a silver snake. They had the biggest flex of the book to me to where they are still powerful enough that they can keep Joe at bay even after they've been defeated. And that means that for whatever reason... They want to keep them around as a potential foil to G.I. Joe, and they showed that very well, this issue. I'll go with Coil.
0: Good choice. Jared, Silver Star or Silver Snake?
1: I will give a Silver Star to Scott Sturgis, a.k.a. Scanner, because he basically Tim Drake'd his way onto the (laughs) G.I. (laughs) Joe. Anybody knows their Batman lore? Tim Drake became Robin because he put in the legwork and figured out who Batman was. And basically went to him was like, I know who you are, I know what you do, I can help you, and I want to help. And that's how I became Robin. And that's how Sturgis became Scanner, by putting in the legwork, and
0: I thought it was cool. Yeah, not a bad choice. I will go with a Silver Star with General Hawk in his opening. Yeah, I can't go wrong. I that. think, I think that was done very well. And now let's go ahead and get back to Jared for his segment of Death Probes Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Death Probe's Toy Chest
1: is the segment where I'll take something or someone featured from this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, I have selected Claymore, whose real name is John Zulo, and he's from Manchester, Vermont. He is one of the rare officers from G.I. Joe. As mentioned earlier, he is a Captain O3. His specialties are anti-terrorism and martial arts. His figure description is kind of exciting. He has a cheetah print yellow and brown camo set with a green vest. His accessories include a green helmet and a black Uzi. And this is why he's kind of rare. He was first released in U.S. toy stores as part of Series 5 in 1986. And he's hard to find because he was a Toys R Us exclusive. He came in the Special Mission Brazil box set, which included new versions of dial tone, mainframe, Leatherneck, and wetsuit also came with a cassette tape that's right a cassette tape Ooh. you could listen to their adventures on oh. i've never gotten my hands on the cassette tape but i hear tell that it is really bad like poorly done cassette <laughs> tape. Like, i heard it's basically like a quick some guys made it over a weekend type thing so much so that if you play side b it just says side b has been left blank for you to record your own adventures <laughs> boom pow surprise oh (laughs) exactly so yeah if you wanted to get the original version of claymore you had to be in toys r us in 1986 and find the special mission brazil box set i suspect he's a figure that eludes my collection even to this day i'd have to check on that currently there are only two versions of claymore if you count Captain Claymore. They renamed him in 2011. He's clearly the same character. He has a much cooler, less, less uh cheetah print outfit in his newer version, but only two versions, the 86 original and Captain Claymore in 2011. His original version's body was entirely made from other figures. His head was a repaint of Footloose's head. His chest was a repaint of the Televiper. His waist piece and arms were from Flint. And his legs were from Dusty, so they basically just hodgepodge a new figure out, and made him a new character. Interesting. So the question remains, Pat: Did you have the special Mission Brazil box set? Did you get by Toys R Us in '86? No, I didn't. Me neither. I don't even think I set foot in a Toys R Us until
2: 1993 or '94. I was more of a KB Toys, ugh, yeah. KB Toys guy. The mm-hmm, Toys R Us because mm-hmm. uh, the, the nearest mall where I grew up, Western Hills Mall, had a KB and I was in there looking at Transformers tech specs all the dang time. <laughs> oh no, yeah, But I was not in Toys R Us that much.
0: Yeah, Toys R Us was more of a, a bigger town place for us as well, too. And all we had in our town was a KB toy store.
1: In the mall, I assume. Yes. Yeah, they were very much a mall shop. And that's where I almost exclusively bought my Joes all the way up to 87 when we moved to Germany. Then it was whatever we could get at the APHES PX, you know? And uh, like I said, I didn't set foot in the Toys R Us until high school. Mm. So anyways, we should play the arms of an angel as I tell that story. I didn't set foot in the <laughs> Toys R Us. For just pennies a day, you could get Jared into a Toys R Us.
2: Spend <laughs> all your time waiting. <laughs> anyways,
0: back to you, Pat. All right, thank you, Jarrett, for that figure discussion. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. it, GI Joe, go get Breaker. He can do it. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined us on our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box video episodes, free raffle giveaways voting on show programming and so much more so these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show
1: and helica wolf Auburn elvis bill bear blast it or stash it braxton underwood captain entropy clinton robison dave collins aka yeah, Battlewagon.
2: Wagon. Gary Viola. Gerald Green. Jason might be Albrick, but Jason King.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
2: Jeremy L.
1: Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman, too.
2: <laughs> Joe Thomas. John Watson.
1: Jose Poyo. <laughs>
0: Josh Strickland. Schlacker. The Kathy Bright. Maxwell Traver Michael Wagner Miranda W P.D.'s Nuts
2: Devins
1: Paul Hicks Rick
2: from Jeff and Rick Present
1: Rob Morgan
2: Ross Michaud Brian
1: Daly Samantha Maney
2: Sean Urbanski Spidey 67 Steve Cronin Tim Price
0: Toronto Cup and Brad Morin. If we missed anyone in our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So, if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So, you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Just head on over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to the amazing world of the Crusader Club member, and we can say your name along with everyone else. So come and check it out. Available
1: on all Jasons. And calls. No No Wiesel's no Jasons. Mm-hmm.
0: Now let's see what messages from our platoon of lawyer listeners... We have waiting for us on Breaker's Comsat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are from episode twenty-four, where we featured issue number twenty-four with special guest Bravo team leader Weasel Skull.
1: And speaking of Bravo team leader Weasel Skull, he has our first comment, and he said, "What's the call when you tap on the hall, Weasel Skull? Weasel Skull, fire at will." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good one, Jason.
0: (laughs) I could just see him kind of walking around just singing that all day Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, this is the things that he does, you know this Jason likes to sing songs, but uh, yeah, he was pretty fired up to be
2: here and he did a great job as per usual one more comment from Jeremy J.L. Lamastus, Pulp Fictioneer he says I just finished the last episode and this reminded me, I remember Snake Eyes killing the Saw Viper in the original run, so how was he back from the dead? Was he a clone as well? Well, I have an answer for you. Jared, you should say something as if, you know, it were in my voice. It's that's, that's fine. Go ahead. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> in
1: fact, I responded to that comment with, like, the shruggy hands emoji. <laughs> because guy I was like, I, Pat probably knows better than me. Uh, he boy, stayed
0: with yeah. old Joe longer than I did. I don't know. It's been a while since I've gotten that far and remember. So I'm with you. Struggy hands is like, Ugh. I don't
1: know. <laughs> None of us know. If anybody out there in land, knows the answer of how Saw Viper came back after Snake Eyes killed him in the original 80s run, we'd love to hear it. You know, we uh, our memories of that are old and faded. All we can tell you about is what happened to Devil's Do, and he's definitely back. So, well, he was back until Kamakura killed him. <laughs> so, that's true. Who knows? Who knows? If you got the answer to that, please let us know. And while you're doing that, we're going to close out the show. This brings us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. The devils do years. If you want to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more. Check out the entire Longbox Crusade network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that?
0: Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most pod catchers, or at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Lawnbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. If you'd like to chat with us personally online, we can be found at Back to You, Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared, where can I find you? I can be
1: found at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or check out my website, www.theyardsaleartist.com. And Delvin, where can they find you? And don't forget to pimp your Hasbro
2: related podcast as well. That Hasbro related podcast is on the Long Box Crusade Network. It is called Transformers Chronicles, where we are covering the Marvel Comics run of Transformers 1 through 75. I think we have uh, twenty-seven out there, maybe twenty-eight. We're we're creeping up towards thirty. Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at dee underscore ray one nine seven seven. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It was a blast. I appreciate it. Oh, it's always
1: a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And this has given me the idea, Pat. We've talked about how we're actually over halfway now to finishing this run of we Devils are. Do. I say, when we finish the Devils Do run during this time frame, they came out with sort of a couple at least two, I think, pretty cool G.I. Joe Transformers crossovers, maybe we should do a show, me, you, Delvin, Jonathan, Maggie, kind of get everybody together and do that mini-series together a little bit. Yeah, maybe we can make that happen. Sounds like a fun adventure. Crossover. We did talk Transformers G.I. Joe, the one from the 80s, on an episode of Longbox Crusade, I do believe. We did.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah,
1: good times. But anyway... Thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles The Devil's Due Years. We will see you on the battlefield again next episode when we cover issue number 27, Paradigm Shift. Pat, do you know what a paradigm is? Yeah, it's two dimes. 20 cents, that's the correct (laughs) 20 cents. (laughs) Ah, Only you can find the perfect way to torpedo my jokes, Pat. (laughs) I sunk your battleship. You sunk my battleship again. Well, until next time, everybody, Platoon, Fallout.
2: out. Yo. Yo, Joe!
1: The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.
0: Don't forget to tell me what the results were. Oh, I can't. I'm too busy mixing it up. You got too excited. I don't
1: know why it doesn't have the same canned sound effect I always use. No,
0: I know. I shunk your bit ship. What? Say that sometimes fast. Shunk your bit ship? Your, your, Your bit ship
2: instead of your battleship. Your bit, ah. You're because you trying Dude, but,
1: Oh, I get it now. Okay.
0: Slow.
2: I thought you were saying for some reason.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>